Today's episode of the Hi-Hat Film Podcast is brought to you by the Tyrell Corporation, the world's leading manufacturer in genetic replicants. We challenge you to tell the difference between our replicants and the real thing. The Tyrell Corporation, more human than human. Michael Clancy here for the Hi-Hat Film Podcast, episode number 38. There's no Hall of Fame this week. We will be back with one of those episodes in about a week's time, so stay tuned for that. Really excited for um, the next entry into the Hall of Fame. Instead, this week I'm going to be featuring film reviews of films that have just been released in cinemas in the UK. These reviews are lifted from my Sunday radio show, which I host on East Coast FM, the Sunday Film Review. This week I was reviewing Michael Mann drama Black Hat, along with Kevin Hart comedy The Wedding Rare, Project Almanac, the time-travelling found footage caper, and also the Jennifer Aniston awards bait Cake are all up for review on the show. I had former guest on the show and submitter into the Hall of Fame, Mark Donaldson, in the studio helping me review those films. This episode also features a little report I did on the Glasgow Film Festival, which is currently going on in the fine city of Glasgow, so I hope you enjoy that too. I'm going to kick things off with a review of Black Hat, which is in cinemas now, but first, here's a little clip from the film. Some hacker is hitting our financial markets. Four major banks, and that's just what we know about? If we want clues to the hacker's identity, we need a man named Hathaway. Let me know about this guy. He's a convicted hacker serving 15 years at MIT. Genius coder. I want you to commute my sentence for identification and the apprehension of the guy you're after. Those are the terms. Is he political? Terrorist attack, any declaration? The guy we're working will drop the big hammer and not think twice about it. He's on the move again. Chicago, now China. This is only the beginning. He's still writing. War 4. Real hit is still to come. You get discovered, you're dead meat. You have to run. Nice to finish a clip with a bit of Anthony and the Johnsons, but that is the trailer for Black Hat. It is the latest thriller from Michael Mann, starring Chris Hemsworth, Wee Tang, Lee Hong Wang, and Viola Davis. So, uh, breaking down the plot, first of all, when China and the US are victims of cyber attacks, their investigative agencies team up to find out who's responsible. They decide their best option is to recruit Hemsworth's incarcerated hacker, Nick Hathaway, who leads them on an international mission to track down and bring the cyber terrorists to justice. Um, Mark, it's been it's been a long time since we've seen a Michael Mann film. I think it's his first film since 2009's Public Enemies. Was it worth the wait for you? No, is the short answer. Um, Great. Th- well, we'll leave it there. <laughs> That's Black Hat. No, uh, sorry, Mark, on you go. Well, I think, you know, given what was happening towards the end of last year with the Korean hackers, with Sony, I think there's a very interesting film to be made about, you know... 
cyber terrorism, diplomatic relationships between the US and China. This isn't that. It's an attempt at that, but it's it's not very interesting, I think, is really kind of the, the short answer to that. We have Chris Hemsworth in the lead role. We've uh, seen him as Thor. We've seen him as a Playboy Formula One driver. Are, are we to believe that he can also be a computer hacker? Look, pretty people can also be clever people as well. I think that's 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 what we should we should get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's one line of dialogue. You know, we see we see him working out in prison. He's been in prison for a long time. I think it's you know it's safe to assume that a computer hacker set put in prison can work out and bulk up a bit. That's that's all right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it does just do that cut of oh, he's doing a few a few <laughs> press ups in his cell, and that's how you, that's all you need to look do to yeah. end up looking like Thor. Uh, Michael Mann, he's become known for his use of kind of the handheld digital camera work. You know, we saw it work on Collateral, we saw it in Public Enemies. It's used in full effect here. Did did it work for you? I don't know. I kind of felt, I don't know if it was maybe just the screening I was in, but I felt certainly in terms of the sound mix seemed a bit off. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it kind of kept sort of dipping in and out and sort of getting louder and quieter with the dialogue. It It, it seemed as if somebody in the editing suite had maybe, you know, made a bit of a mess of the, the sound mix. I don't know if you, if you experienced a similar thing. And as for the, the digital camera work, it's just all very bland. It's very sort of grey, drab, kind of blue and turquoise-y kind of, kind of colours that we've kind of come to expect from, well, I suppose, the sort of the big Hollywood, the big Hollywood films mm. of recent times. I mean, for me, and I did have problems with the filming style, but it, the script was a real letdown for me. You know, for, it, it was kind of... In terms of its filming style, it was going for this kind of hyper-realistic, almost as if it was like someone following you around with a shaky cam while these mm-hmm. events were unfolded. Uh, more on that style later on in the show. Uh, but it was kind of mixed with this almost kind of hokey action hero dialogue. And it, I, I, it just, it, it was very jarring to me. I think also very jarring that none of these characters are action heroes. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're MIT-trained um you know, computer hackers and, and well, not computer hackers, but computer specialists. Um, and it's yeah, it's very, very hokey in terms of its dialogue. Um, and also, I think there's a lot of um, telling rather than showing as well. Mm-hmm. You're told Chris, Chris Hemsworth is a genius. It's never you never really get anything to kind of display that. You're told um, a character has, has a tragic backstory rather than ever see any any evidence to to suggest it. Um, yeah, it's, it's very much telling rather than showing. It's, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough subject to kind of bring to an action film because essentially, you know, your big sequences are people sitting at a keyboard and typing really quickly, and that is going to be a problem to make that exciting. Yeah, and what it does is it it puts a camera underneath the keyboard. You know? Yeah, it, it tries to kind of show the the malware kind of filtering out into into these mm-hmm. hard drives and things like that, but it's all just a bit dull it's kind of like i don't know if you ever watched house but that kind of mm-hmm. thing that they would do where they would show a, a, an illness kind of yeah. taking hold of a you know like a kidney or something mm-hmm. like that um and there's just that thing that you kind of think well it would actually it would be a lot quicker than this in real life <laughs> yeah and the to kind of counterbalance it almost they do have a, a few scenes of kind of explosive violence in it and it's quite quite shocking the way that the violence kind of pops up yeah he for somebody who is you know a, a computer hacker he he's he knows how to handle himself yeah put it that way and um yeah there is some brutality in there that seems slightly tonally off mm-hmm. um yeah it's a bit odd 
I mean, I, I think I feel very similar to you about it. I was largely bored by the film, and uh, to to the point where I thought like maybe I wasn't giving it a fair a fair shake when I was watching it because I was very bored just sitting watching it. But I'm relieved to have come out of it and found that you felt the same way, and we've spoken to some other people mm. that feel in a similar way as well. It's it is surprising for Michael Mann. He's a director. He he he's, he can make commentary on these uh, important issues and cybercrime is a very important yeah. issue right now but yeah as you say this 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 film just feels a bit flat and deflated i i knew it was michael mann going in mm-hmm. and then when the end credits rolled i found myself surprised <laughs> when it said directed by michael mann yeah i'd kind of forgotten you know I'd, this is the guy that gave us heat yeah you know, this is the guy that gives us you know films like that mm-hmm. yep well i think we'll, we'll have to draw a line under that one there it's a uh, black hat it's on wide release right now it's a, a bit of a letdown if i'll be honest there's not there's, it's not terrible. There's some some things of value in it, I think, but I th- it's a bit of a slog. Yeah. And I'm sick of a high hat. Hello, Seth. It's Doug Harris. I was wondering if you would want to be my best man. You're the first person I thought of. I heard you die. Eduardo, ¿cómo está? I don't know what to do. I told her that I have a best man lined up. The truth is always the best. What if the truth isn't an option? There is one other thing. Welcome to the Best Man, Inc. So, Edmundo sends you to come find Oracle. What exactly do you do? I provide Best Man services for guys who lack in such areas. So, I'm not alone? Alone? No. I'm in a very profitable business because of guys like you. How many weddings do you think were in the U.S. last year? 2.4 million. million. There were 2.4 million grooms. Do you think that each one of them has someone to be their best man? I never knew people like you existed. How you look at groomsmen? I need seven. You need seven seven groomsmen? I do. You're asking me to pull off a golden tux. Too many things go wrong. No. But there's a name for it. There's also a name for a horse with a horn on his head. It's called a unicorn. Don't mean I can get you one. I need your help. This is strictly a business relationship. You're not buying a new friend, you're hiring your best man. Thank you. Thank Yo, what you, you doing? Yo, what you doing? Sorry, I just, I got really excited. Damn it, man. White people. Okay, so you get an idea of uh, the wedding ringer from that clip there. In fact, it pretty much covers all of the plot quite nicely. It's a new comedy starring Kevin Hart, uh, Josh Gad, and The Big Bang Theories. Kaylee Kuko Sweeting. We think that's how you pronounce her name, uh, but I'm sure you can correct us if we're wrong. So you kind of heard it from the clip. Uh, Josh Gad plays Doug, who's this socially awkward yet successful businessman. He's a couple of weeks away from getting married to the girl of his dream. So, uh, with the wedding approaching, he's embarrassed to admit that he doesn't have any friends that he could really invite to be a part of the wedding party. He doesn't have a best man, so he goes out and hires a best man. This is played by uh, Kevin Hart. This is this character called Jimmy Callahan, um, who runs a business for this sort of thing. So Doug hires Jimmy to make his day go off without a hitch. Uh, Jimmy makes it clear from the beginning that this is strictly a business arrangement and they're not really friends hilarity ensues well we'll find out so latest it's the latest offering from kevin hart he's really one of the most popular comedians in america right now he does very well with his stand-up and his films generally do very well at the box office um and you can and you can kind of see why he definitely has some talent to him he's got this kind of motor mouth style which is is really once he gets going it can be quite fun to watch and there is a, a real skill to that i think and he he can have this sort of ludicrous ludicrously intense kind of style and stare he's wound up very tight despite not being a particularly tall man so uh, there's comedy to be had from him anyway he does have some talent despite this i don't think he's really found the right vehicle yet we saw him last year in ride along with uh, ice cube which i thought was pretty a pretty poor offering and to be honest this isn't really it either it's 
the type of film that tries to kind of be an equal opportunity insulter in which that it makes fun of everybody so you know nobody gets offended you know you make so it's got plenty of jokes um, sex jokes about women it makes fun of homosexuals overweight people people with speech impediments you know ever everyone's up for grabs so fine i mean you can make those jokes if you want but it's done in a very unsubtle and humorless fashion which is you know for me a bit of a turn off i mean I kind of get the feeling with this film that it was the idea that somebody came up with a clever title for a film and they thought we can make up the rest to kind of fit it in. So you kind of have this doubly clever play on words of uh, The Wedding Ringer based on The Wedding Ring, but also a little bit of The Wedding Singer, which was that great uh, comedy from Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. So it, it feels it's so disconnected. It, it lacks any kind of narrative do cohesion. You have lots of scenes that set up these comedy situations. At one point, him and his stag do go and play a football game with a bunch of old men in the mud, and, and then the next scene, they're kind of jumping to a, a bachelor party, and it's just... It, there's no real link between any of them. It's just a bunch of scenes kind of thrown together. Um, it's kind of loosely set up as a romantic comedy, uh, but in fact what it is is about men it's more about the men than the relationship with the, with uh, Doug's character and his uh, his wife to be it's kind of a it's about Doug becoming one of the guys and it's about Jimmy kind of realizing that he can he can have friends and run a successful business so it's it's not completely devoid of laughter i i think Hart and Gad have good chemistry but i would say it's pretty lazy and it's pretty predictable and it's uh, pretty uninteresting stuff mark Oh, I'll, I'll give that a miss then. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you were wise to sit that one out. You had your triple bill yesterday, and I, I think it, th this might have pushed you over the edge. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, as I say, I like I, I want to like Kevin Hart's films more. I think he is talented. I think he is funny. I've got lots of friends that assure me that his stand-up is hilarious. You know, Josh Gad, he's one, he's one of the funniest things in Frozen. He's clearly got good mm -hmm. comic timing. But, uh, yeah, this is this is not the film for them. Has, does Kevin Hart? I mean, I don't know much about him, but does he have much creative input into these sort of like Ride Along and, and Wedding Ringer? Or? I'm not sure. I don't think he's quite at that level yet. Um, I I I don't think he has quite that power yet. I think he's you know trying to get. He'll probably be trying to get the hits in first, and then he'll probably mm. be able to stretch a little bit more creative control on these things. But uh, yeah, this this isn't it for him. This isn't it, and it's uh, one of the bigger releases this week. It's on wide release. It's yeah, I, I I can't say I recommend it. So, uh, yeah, uh, 0 for 2 so far on the film reviews front, unfortunately. It, it's going to get worse before it gets any better, I think it's fair to say, Mark. Coming mm -hmm. up in about 15 minutes' time, we'll be reviewing Project Almanac, which is a new found footage film. <laughs> can't uh, wait. Yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah, what is this? Well, it's Dad's old camera. Nice, i got to work it again. Check it out. That's my seventh birthday. Whoa, did you see that? What? I just saw something weird. You guys, you gotta see this. There's this footage of me at my seventh birthday. We were all at your seventh yeah. birthday. Just watch this. Right there. Look in the mirror. That's me. That is my t-shirt. That is my backpack. This is definitely me. It doesn't make sense. You hear that? Yeah. It's in my dad's old workshop. It's like a clicking or something. <laughs> what the hell is that? This is some sort of a machine. Here we go, Project Almanac. That's something my dad was working on. Temporal relocation prototype? What does that mean? It means time travel. What? We should try to build it. We can't build a time machine. I mean, did you see the tape at your seventh birthday? I mean, I think we already did build it. <laughs> Shouldn't the next step be testing it on us? All right. You guys ready for this? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you kind of get an idea from that what Project Almanac is all about. It is a time-travelling found footage film from producer Michael Bay. The plot... When rooting around in his basement, awkward teenager high schooler David and his pals find mysterious machine and blueprints left behind by David's absent father. They soon discover that they've stumbled across an incomplete time machine. Using their high school know-how, the group managed to get the machine working. As the group promise they will only use the machine responsibly. They go travelling back in time, hopping back in time to go to music festivals, to get revenge on a a bully, kiss a girl. The group realise that their seemingly harmless fun has some pretty serious consequences, Mark. It is the latest in the long line of these found footage films, popularised back in the day by the Blair Witch Project. What are your feelings towards this kind of sub-genre that we have? Um, I wish that um, one of the characters in one of these found footage films n- knows how to operate a camera, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe even a tripod. A, a tripod <laughs> is all I ask. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I was sitting quite close to the screen yesterday when watching the film, and I did come out with a bit of a headache and a bit of a sort of sick feeling in the pit of my stomach because <laughs> the camera does not stop moving, and it's always at an odd angle, and it's. But that's kind of the point. It's meant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's meant to. It's meant to trick you into believing that this is real footage left behind by some amateur filmmaker. But who's it's, editing it, Michael? Well, <laughs> indeed. I mean, the, something bad happens. We saw it last year in The Devil's Due. We saw it in As Above, So Below. It's traditionally been a trope of, of horror films, but it's recently kind of expanded out. We saw it in the superhero genre with Chronicle a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's done comedy with Project X. It's even done police procedurals with uh, End of Watch from a couple of years back. Uh, they vary in quality. I mean, putting that aside, uh, did you enjoy the film? Um, well, I mean, time travel is something that I... I I'll, I'll, anything with time travel, I'll go and watch it, you mm-hmm. know. I even watched that Richard Curtis film from last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on Just on that basis. Um, and there was a, a little kid in front of me uh, watching it with his mum, and I just kind of got thinking, when I was his age, we had Back to the Future on yeah. the telly every other weekend. This is just... It's what happens when you give teenagers the the ability to time travel. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, and there's about five ten minutes in the middle of it where they get the machine working and they kind of do a bit of Groundhog Day stuff and they do what you, what I think a lot of teenagers would do. They go, they got get revenge on the bully. Uh, mm. There's a scene where the guy wants to ace his test and he keeps on going in and he keeps on failing. So that's funny. Back. That and is, that's pretty that good. Is funny. And there's a scene where they play the lottery and they think they've won thirty two million <laughs> and they've only won a million. And there's a picture with them with a giant check and they look so unhappy. Yeah. They, and like for those five ten minutes, I was like, right, okay, good. This is where we're going. But then. Then they spend about fifteen minutes wandering about a music festival, and it's and yeah. it just it just saps the life right out of it. It it does. I mean, like like you say, that lottery thing is hilarious. I love the idea that you'd go back in time to win the lottery, but you wouldn't do all the numbers because you don't want to raise suspicion. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very funny. It's a very funny idea. But then, yeah, you're right. It's just it becomes this kind of slightly narcissistic teenage. Oh, we're having so much fun at this music festival, and we know all the right things to go to because it's all on Instagram and. Mm-hmm. And it just loses you because you know, much as I don't like to admit it, I'm not that age anymore. Oh, that's a that's a, that's a shame. And just going back to the kind of the found footage style, I mean, it plays so fast and loose with the rules of it. I mean, as you mentioned, who's doing the editing? I mean, it's I'm, I'm happy to suspend my disbelief, but this is where. You know, first of all, you have to have a reason. Why are these people filming this to begin with, anyway? And they just drop in the line, "Oh, you guys record everything." And it's well, like, it, ah. it it starts off with 
um, I think one of the other themes of the two films that we've discussed together is unconvincing geniuses. Yeah. Because uh, it starts off with the the protagonist uh, doing a, a video test of something he's invented to mm-hmm. get into MIT. Right. And then you're like, okay, fine. This is so they're filming their experiments. But then it's not really that because they're filming everything at school. They're filming everything at yeah. home. Yeah, it's very fast and loose with the found footage. And then they're just not committed to the form. I mean, there are montages in this film. There are <laughs> there are scenes where there is background music in this film. It's like, well, I, fine, if you're not going to commit to it, but I can't believe that this is a, a real story. And obviously I know it's a film and it's not a real story, yeah. but you're, you're in a form where you're trying to convince people that you're seeing some kind of form of reality. And obviously the time travel part kind of takes you away from that too. But yeah. uh, So, yeah, I don't know five minutes in the middle not bad but uh, <laughs> I feel like they waste an awful lot of time building the machine I feel like by the time they get on to looking at the consequences uh, there's something interesting there it's like oh well I went back and and uh, and kissed a girl at a party and all of a sudden you know 70 people have died in a plane crash yeah. I, I enjoy like kind of the ripple effect of that but yeah. they, but they cram it into the last 15 minutes and there's just there's nothing to get excited about really no no, yeah. I think that hits the nail on the head. Okay, well, yes, Project Almanac on wide release as well. Again, it's it, it's frustrating because there are signs that there there is fun to be had in it, but it it just kind of lets you down. So, uh, yeah, another disappointment. We're, oh, no. we're not doing too well this week. <laughs> it, it does get better. I made a list and then I checked on the internet to see if they were different in Mexico. These are lots. Trying to sedate the small city. I think you have big problems. Receptivo. How's it going? I'm doing really well. I want you to verbalize to Nina how her suicide affected you. She jumped off the freeway overpass, landed on a flatbed truck heading to Mexico. Her body got stuck in customs for like a week before Nina's husband could even claim it. Way to go, Nina. Spread your legs a little bit wider. Should we go on a date first? Haha. Uh, listen, you think I could come by and pick up the rest of my stuff? I think it's prudent that we don't see each other. Nice night, huh? I came here for Nina's address. I can't give you that information. I actually brought you a really nice bottle of vodka. What kind? Nina's husband. I'm not a stalker. I mean, not in the traditional sense. You know, you just could have said you wanted to come over. Yeah, but what's the fun in that? So that's a little bit from the film Cake, which is a bittersweet black comedy starring Jennifer Aniston. Aniston plays Claire, a troubled woman dealing with chronic back pain. Early on, it's clear she's dealing with a deep emotional pain as well as the physical side of things. She attends a support group to help deal with her back problems. And it is there that she becomes fascinated by Nina, uh, played by Anna Kendrick, who is a a former member of the group who recently committed suicide. Claire's curiosity becomes a bit more unhealthy when she tracks down Nina's family, but despite this, strikes up an unlikely friendship with Roy, Nina's husband, played by Sam Worthington. And it's it's a friendship kind of based around uh, a shared kind of grief and sense of mourning. Um, So, Mark, with Jennifer Aniston, we've had a maybe a decade of forgettable rom-coms from her since her post-friend in her post-friends career uh, here it's kind of an awards-baiting performance I think she got nominated uh, for a Golden Globe is this the start of an exciting new chapter in her career in this in the style of maybe Matthew McConaughey uh, not quite I mean it, it's a very interesting performance and I think Jennifer Aniston 
I think because, like you say, there has been a raft of forgettable rom-coms, you kind of forget that actually she is quite a talented comic performer. And you do get a bit of that in this, because that opening scene, a bit of which she played in the support group, is very blackly comic and and probably the funniest bit in the the film. Mm -hmm. And she plays that so well. But then she also... I think she maybe tries a bit too hard towards the end as it kind of reaches its emotional climax but yeah it's an interesting performance from her yeah i mean i thought she she carried the weight quite well i mean she she's clearly a character very much in pain and like not just her chronic back pain which you know they hint at is perhaps not quite as bad as it mm. suggests and it's more the the emotional scarring that she carries but i i, I think she she carried all that well and it's it's nice to kind of see her in a in a more grown-up role sort of almost. definitely yeah um she's not the nicest person in the world i mean she certainly <laughs> and that's where most of the comedy comes from in fact but she puts her housekeeper uh sylvana played by adriana Barzara through hell basically i mean what what did you make of the, of their of their relationship it's quite a quite a, there's like little touching scenes all the way throughout mm-hmm. that it kind of becomes a bit more than a sort of you know worker employee and sort of employee employer relationship mm-hmm. it's there's almost like a more motherly quality the housekeeper has towards her and there's this kind of it is a friendship but a friendship kind of based in somebody taking <laughs> great liberties with the other with the other person definitely and i mean it does walk that line between black comedy and real tragedy i mean we're dealing with suicide we're dealing with depression there's a, a huge sense of grief in there i mean does it does it balance it does it balance it too well i think it kind of skews too far towards melodrama towards the end mm-hmm. um without kind of spoiling too much of the plot um it kind of lost i was quite into it for the first half and then it kind of the wheels came off a little bit towards the end as it kind of skewed right into quite right into melodrama for me mm-hmm. after about the moment you find out exactly what it is that's sort of uh, affected her in the past yeah I'm, I'm quite interested by the uh, the character uh, Sam Worthington plays the, the husband Roy I mean he's kind of trying to hold it all together and I think one of the most interesting parts is when she uh, to an effect asks him how, how she feels about his his wife after she's committed suicide yeah. and he has a really interesting monologue in there and uh, yeah I mean actually you know talking about Jennifer Aniston giving an interesting performance that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a Sam Worthington who somebody I've never really kind of held in much much regard mm-hmm. is a quite a strong performance from him here as well yeah well he was kind of tipped to be the the next big thing following Avatar and following the that pretty terrible Terminator film yes. and uh, I think the uh, Clash of the Titans films didn't really work out for him, and now he seems to be uh, dialing it back a little bit. And uh... I think that can help an actor, though, when you are kind of thrust on an audience mm-hmm. in these sort of big blockbusters, and then you're forgotten, and then you can actually do interesting, interesting things as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm generally quite impressed with him. And so, I don't think it's I don't think it's a perfect film by any stretch, no. but it it. it juggles a lot of issues in it and I think for the most part it juggles them pretty well yeah yeah it's, it's my right. film of the week anyway it's your film <laughs> of the week I'd always used to call me chum 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 yeah <laughs> what did it call you chum chum for it's this pink little dumpling What do you think will do to her when they get her?
seen these two around? No. You sure? take a little bit of time to talk about the Glasgow Film Festival now. I mentioned it last week and I talked about how it's an ever-growing important date on the British film calendar, certainly the Scottish film calendar. You know, we talk about how the Edinburgh Film Festival gets all the all the kind of headlines, but the Glasgow Film Festival has been growing and growing in recent years, and I think it's really important to kind of champion it, even though it's all the way across there on the West Coast. I think it's important to say some things. And uh, I have to say, it kicked off uh, on Wednesday, and I've seen about ten films from the Glasgow Film Festival, and I have to say, I've been impressed throughout. I can honestly say from the, the films that I've seen, I've yet to see a bad film feature at the at the film festival, which I think is uh, very impressive in itself. Definitely want to highlight a few things uh, that I've seen this week. There was a film called The Grump, which was this kind of kind of this... It was a, a film based, out, a Scandinavian film, and it's uh, about this old man who lives off on a farm on his own, and he has a bit of a fall, and he has to go stay with his uh, his uh, in laws, his uh, son, and his wife in in the big city. And it's it's kind of your traditional kind of oh, the grumpy old man versus the modern world kind of story, and it's very very traditional in that sense. But the observations are really poignant and uh, really great performances in the lead roles, and it was just really funny. I have to say, the audience for that were in hysterics uh, from start to finish. So I was really impressed by that one. That is the grump. Um, there was also another terrific film by British director Daniel Wolfe. This is called Catch Me Daddy. And it's just this film that's absolutely dripping with tension. It's set in the Yorkshire Moors where a runaway teenager uh, played by Samina Jabin Ahmed is uh, hiding out with her Scottish boyfriend Aaron, played by Connor McCarran. And basically her father is uh, very very staunch in his re religious beliefs uh, he's sent people after them to bring her home because she is shaming the family in his eyes and it's uh, it's kind of this uh, cat and mouse film and it's uh, just unbelievably uh, terrifically brutal and stylish and engrossing it's uh, the cinematography is done by Robbie Ryan who's worked with uh, Andrea Arnold in the past and he is a very distinct uh, director of photography if you've seen his films before you know that he's very very good at kind of the the atmospheric uh, landscape so uh, really really good film really tense I think that's going to be getting a, a release in the next couple of weeks and I'll, I'll hopefully give you a full review of that when it comes out if it does get a bigger release because I thought it was terrific and then uh, at, at Fright Fest there was a film called It Follows which is actually I'm going to cover in more detail next week because it's getting a general release but it's a really creepy horror film about this girl that's being stalked by this ominous presence which is kind of this it's a curse that literally just follows around everywhere she's being kind of stalked by just random people in the street uh, just walking very slowly and if they catch up with her she, she'll be killed in a very grisly way so it's kind of creepy and uh, yeah uh, again very very impressive especially for a modern horror film it's, it does something a little bit different and then uh, another Another final one that I definitely wanted to highlight was a, a small Japanese film called Uzumasa Limelight. Now, this was inspired by a Charlie Chaplin film from Days Go By, and it's just kind of a loving tribute to an old form of cinema. It kind of focuses on old samurai ja dramas in Japan and how the modern filmmaking techniques are kind of meaning there's less place for this. It kind of follows this old actor called uh, Kamiyama, who has uh, basically made a career out of being an extra in these films and being killed in very outlandish ways. He's usually the henchman or the villain in these films. And so it's kind of about his story. It's his his position in films is gradually being uh, marginalised. And it's just very, very sweet. I mean, I love any sort of film that is this nod to the old ways of cinema. We've had in recent years the artist in films like Hugo. And if you go all the way back to Singing in the Rain, it covers all of those. And I thought this was a really good example of that. Uh, sadly, it was showing Friday and Saturday, so it's come and gone. But if you can track down a copy of it, and I'm hoping it gets some sort of small release in the weeks to come, because I was really, really impressed by that. I think it was a terrifically sweet little film.
Film podcast. Big thanks to Mark Donaldson for helping out with the film reviews. You can follow Mark over on Twitter at Old Man Crondus. That's Crondus with a K. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out his own film podcast, Two Guys What Work in a Cinema, because it is tip top. As I mentioned before, the reviews featured today were taken from Sunday Film Review, which is a film show that I host over on East Coast FM. If you'd like to listen to them, it's 107.6 FM, or you can listen online at ecfm.co.uk if you're not in the Edinburgh area. If you're so inclined, you can also follow me over on Twitter at Clancy Hi-Hat, and be sure to check out the fun and games over on the Hi-Hat Facebook page. Be sure to give us a like there. And as always, if you can download, subscribe, rate and review the show over on iTunes, that helps us out a massive amount, so thank you for that in advance. That's going to do it for me. I'll leave you with the final words of verbal kint from The Usual Suspects. The greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he did not exist. And like that, he was gone. Papa has it all figured out. Figured out and wrapped up in tissue paper with pink ribbons on it.